0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's
1: Terry. All right, we're back. Um, As you know, we're doing, the next few weeks, our Legends of Ice Fishing or Masters of Ice Fishing. What are we calling it this year, Karen? I don't even know. Legends or Masters. Whatever it is, they're darn good ice anglers. And we talk about, we've had Bro Bros all on. Dave Gents is going to join us. Steve Panaz. uh, We're going to get Matt Johnson from the Clam Corporation is going to come on. But we've got some pretty good, pretty decent ice anglers right here in Colorado, and one of them is joining us right now, and we're probably going to talk some hunting, but I'm sure in the next few weeks we'll talk lights, lots of ice fishing, Mr. Nate Zelensky. Good morning, Terry. How are you today? I'm doing great. The sun is shining. It looks beautiful out. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. I tell
2: you, it was a, it was a cold morning. Talk about ice. I... Uh... I am actually elk hunting as we speak. I did the mad dash to get service to call in, but uh, in the middle of an elk hunt, I had to cross some water today, and I was able to walk across the water on ice. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, there's a, a lot of the high, high country anglers are fishing, all of that stuff. Uh, but this morning I was negative three uh, in temperature. So we are we are getting cold. Um, I drove by Georgetown the other day. Obviously, it's not fishable, but it was 100 percent capped. Evergreen Lake the other day was capped. Um, so we're, we're not ice fishing any of the main bodies of water, but I'll tell you what, Terry, we are not far, uh, at all from the ice season kicking off. So, uh, these cold temps like this, any of the bodies of water that are open water, you know, you get down to that zero and negatives. It cools that water off to where all it takes is a good calm day with no wind and a couple more of those cold days, uh, and it locks up quick. Uh, you know, the, the sun is, is very south in the sky and, uh, yeah, we're close for sure.
1: Oh, I I couldn't agree more. It was eight degrees at my house today, and I'm at 5,000 feet. So that's, you know, I mean, now the weather could change drastically on us, and we get get anxiety this time of the year. If it's too warm, we're worried we're not going to get ice. If it's too cold, we're so anxious because we think we're going to get ice early, and then it comes a little later. So we'll watch it develop, but, boy, if this continues... I agree with you 100%. We could get some opportunities pretty early. But I know you wanted to start with some hunting, so what's going on there? You know, we got a lot of stuff going on. So today is the opener of the third rifle season
2: here in Colorado, which is a combined season. Uh, so it's elk and deer. This used to be a nine-day season. Uh, the last couple of years, it's been reduced to a seven-day season. Uh, but regardless, it's a, it's a very predominant season. And, you know, typically this season is going to be a pre-rut deer and a very... Post rut or non rut phase of the elk, um, but usually I would say the seasons don't quite line up like they have. This year has been phenomenal. We keep talking about hunting, uh, but we've never had a season like this. That the archery and muzzleloader seasons went very well. Uh, the first rifle, second rifle went very well. So you know, talking to you know people like Steve's Meat Market, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, our take is doing very fantastic, which is good because you know on the average year we never meet quota. You know, Colorado. Parks Wildlife has harvest numbers and goals that they're trying to, to you know, fit, um, and we rarely get close to those numbers. So this year has been great for hunting, and I anticipate this third rifle is going to be very much a, a very productive re- season for a couple of reasons. Number one, we had that full moon come a couple days ago, um, and that full moon kind of lined up late enough in the season to where our deer are going to start going into that rut. So it's the first estrus phase of these does uh, to kind of get into that breedable state so we have big ruddy bucks really ahead of schedule i would say we're you know almost a a week ahead of schedule um on the deer rut. every deer that i saw in the last couple days has been big swollen necks i mean the big posture um i mean whether they're with those or not with those their physical signs are absolutely full rut phase and we're seeing more and more bucks with does Um, so i would say on the deer front so many people want that fourth rifle tag because uh, that really puts you in the true heart of, of the deer rut. But in regards to what we're seeing so far, it is in pretty much full swing. So we're excited about that. So uh, kind of a, a pre-setup to that. So everybody has a thir- third rifle tags. They are seeing a ton of rut activity for the deer, which is only going to help them create that success. So now instead of, going super remote and looking for those bucks that are alone and independent, you now can find does and those bucks are hanging around those does. So that's going to be in lower country, the big flat country, the big sage country. Um, so it just makes all the deer more accessible. So we're excited about that. And then that whole northwest corner, but really anywhere in the state, you have a lot of hunters that really hunt migration areas to where if you get snow in the extreme high country, these migration areas up by like Craig and that kind of corner um, are unbelievable hunting but if you don't get any snow the animals simply are not there um I talked to a great outfitter buddy of mine who just had to pull his camps off the flat tops. Um, The section of the flat tops that he was in, uh, they broke just a little over 50 inches of snow so far, and they had to abandon their camps and kind of pull it out there. Um, And I've known multiple hunters that have seen that now. So we're seeing on the flat tops, we're seeing on a lot of that extreme high country, uh, especially on that kind of western slope and that northwest slope, we're seeing a lot of snow, 40, 50 inches of snow. So it's pushed those elk out. We're starting to see big pushes coming off the gore range. Um, so it's really putting a lot of that elk migration into full swing, again, slightly earlier than normal. So a lot of those hunters are seeing just loads and loads of elk coming out of the high country, coming to the lower country, making them accessible. Uh, so it's really going to help the, the overall harvest rates in those areas as well. So very excited to see that just to, to kind of line up the seasons and get everything in full swing. So we got you know cold snow, the the deer rutting, the elk are in migration. Uh, it's just lining everything up to be a pretty awesome season here.
1: Oh, it really is. Um, it's uh, you know it's the kind of season when we plan, we hope for, but very seldom get because very Mother seldom. Nature has a way of yeah. Mother Nature has a way of slapping us around a little bit, saying you thought I was going to do what, you know. But the indication is we're going to continue with this colder temperatures now for a while. It's looking
2: good. It's looking really good, Terry. So uh, i got to wrap up one more thing with hunting, and we got a bunch of other stuff we want to talk about. With the hunting, I will say we've now seen a major separation of big mature bulls from the herd. We talked about this last week, but we pretty much had our final separation. Uh, Basically, Friday morning was the fourth cycle of an estrus phase of an elk. Long story short, there is no more breedable phases of the cows, so a lot of your big dominant bulls, your four-and-a-half-year-old bulls and older, Um, have now left the cows. So if you're looking for a bigger bull, um, now it's pretty much time to separate. You're no longer looking for the cows. You're no longer hunting where the cows are at. If you see young bulls, um, you're separating from them. You are now going into slightly more remote country, slightly rougher country, um, and that's where those big bulls are are separated and kind of doing their own thing. As you start hunting those bigger bulls, like this morning, um, the bulls that I was hunting this morning only literally gave me about five minutes of legal shooting life and they were already in the trees. So we're seeing these bigger bulls tipping into their bedding grounds um, as early as six eighteen, six twenty in the morning. Um, it's pretty crazy. So you have to really make the most of it. So the only reason I talk about this, I ran into two or three hunters literally minutes ago um, at the trailhead and you know these guys were waiting till it was light and hiking in when it's light. You know, we're not trying to sway anybody's style of hunting, but if you're looking for that more mature bull, you have to be in your spot set up uh, to where literally some of these hunts, you are only having minutes in the morning and minutes in the evening to, to you know, make that opportunity uh, before the, the, the light basically gets you. Um, so just keep that in mind. So just a quick tip if you're hunting those bigger bulls, um, it is early and late. You cannot do enough to get yourself in the perfect position uh, and try to capitalize on that situation because today, if you had not been there at first light, you would think there was no elk in the area when in reality, there was a lot of elk. They just went into the dark timber extremely early. So try it. good luck to everybody, but make the most of those those peak hours early and late in the day right now, especially when looking for those bigger bulls.
1: All right, my friend. So let's transition. You want to go to some fishing?
2: Absolutely. So I think the thing we want to talk about fishing is we kind of have two concepts. Uh, you know, our mountain lakes are now closed to boating. So your Anteros, your 11 miles, pretty much all the high country for the most part um, has wrapped up their boating season. We're now waiting for ice. So, you know, your shallow water fisheries, your Anteros, you know, those boat dock bays will freeze first. Um, you know, a lot of that small country type stuff, but more than anything, we're starting to put a focus on ice and we're trying to capitalize on the last bit of open water down here on the front range. So I'm kind of splitting my worlds between those two. I'm definitely in full prep for ice gear, so new line, cleaning up jigs, testing hooks, uh, putting all the jigs back where they should go, breaking things into smaller containers. Um, a lot of times at early ice carry, I tend to pack a little lighter and have less gear because with no snow on the lake, I can fish some more of the remote spots that a lot of times in midwinter um, there's too much snow on the ice and I just can't access them. So I'm really kind of developing my, my tackle right now in smaller bins. So I have like a rod box and I'll have four rods in it and just two small tackle all the gear I need for that day. So when I get on the ice, you know, I am fast, I'm lightweight, and I can kind of cruise. So we're in full prep for ice gear, uh, and we encourage you to do it now. Why why there's, you know, a lot of stock in stores, a lot of supply in stores. Get it now before it's gone. Um, and then open water, this last cold front really dropped our temperatures. We are now seeing more and more of the traditional fall bite. We've talked over the last couple of weeks how we haven't seen that true kind of fall technique, but now we're in full swing. It is all jigging wraps, all blade baits, um, you know, jerk, after dark, but it's very traditional now. So we're seeing our walleyes finally retreating out of that shallow water that they've been over in the, over the last month. They're now sitting in a little bit deeper water where you can find them on your graph. Um, it really pushed the bait fish deeper and together, um, so the walleye fishing is second to none. It finally dropped the smallmouth bass to deeper water. Our smallmouth have been staying up in shallow water, which has been very odd for a November bite, uh, but our smallmouth, our largemouth, now retreated to deeper water structure, uh, activating on shad, so we have some tremendous deep water bass fishing taking place, uh, so a lot going on. But the biggest thing I can say for that is everything is now viewable on your lake. Electronics. Three weeks ago, I was still fishing water so shallow, electronics couldn't make or break my day. Now that the fish are deeper, I'm really doing a lot with my electronics, finding fish, thinking about how I'm positioning on those fish and, and actively catching those fish.
1: I have one earlier comment I have to go back to. <clears throat> excuse me. About getting your ice gear ready. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. I want to know how 50 ice jigs, can end up in the wrong compartment of my boxes over just a short period of ice fishing. They have to move between those compartments while they're put away. I'll tell you, at I, least they're in your compartments.
2: I, you know, every, t- every time I open up an ice shack from last year, I find 50 jigs on the floor of the ice shack. I find jigs in everything known to man. Your meal word tins have, you know, jigs in it. I agree. You know, when you close am- a jig box, it is flush tight
1: and somehow they managed to jump out of those containers. I, I am terrible when I'm fishing. If I go to get a different jig or a different presentation, the one I have tied on goes into the box where I'm getting the new one out of instead of the box it came out of. And I am 100%. just so bad at that.
2: And I'll tell you what, my worst thing is the rust on my hooks. Because I'm not going to lie, I'll, I'll attach a mealworm or a waxworm, a minnow head, and for whatever reason, when I'm tying knots, I never take that minnow head off. I never take it; I drop it in the box, the guts and all that stuff on the jig. You know, there's acid in it and it eats up my hook. When I went through the other day, I, I probably had four or five dozen jigs that were all poor hooks. Um, due to the fact that I had left bait on it or left goo from the bait on it uh, and ate up my hook. So I agree. We uh, we tend to be a little lazy when it comes to the the jig swap out on the ice. Uh, and those are things right now that I'm trying to clean up and prepare for for the season.
1: I'll tell you real quick before we move on to I know you want to talk about ice addiction. Um, I was doing a seminar on ice fishing somewhere. This is, I don't know, 20-some years ago. And I was talking about, because we were all using mono then, and I was talking about... The importance of, even if you hadn't caught a fish, of ch- cutting your jig off and retying because just that jigging action would wear out the line and you're using light line, four-pound test or something, and wear it out. So one of the guys in the audience said, how often do you retie?" I said, every time I break off, just like the rest of you. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> and, and that's a nice. big concept. You actually, you're like... I know I need to retie, but, hey, it held for the last fish, so obviously it's probably good. Yeah. Why would I retie maybe a knot that might not hold? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell oh, us about Then You know, say we're excited about it. So, you know, we have got some great partners that you know of. Uh, so we're excited about Our first event is January 14th at Blue Mesa. That's the Mitch Bevin's. Journey Real Estate Ice Addiction Event A and A Toppers our title partner the Grand Lake event here in Colorado. Um, our sponsors are are really stepping up this year, and our partners at Ice Addiction. We have got a huge lineup of partners, uh, so we're over twenty six thousand in cash and prizes for every single event. Only fifty dollars to enter, so same price, uh, and we got some new things coming on. We got a brand new event trailer, and we're switching to the opportunity for anglers to use an app if they want to. They don't have to, but you can. So we're going to have a way faster check-in process. When you weigh your fish, our scale now communicates to the software. So now when you weigh a fish, you're going to have a live leaderboard that's available on your phone instantly. Uh, we'll be able to do our award ceremony
3: we'll
2: faster. Um, so a lot of new things at Ice addictions so we're really excited about it. Those tickets go on sale this Tuesday, at 8 a.m. So we're excited about it. So November 15th at 8 a.m. So Tuesday, 8 a.m. Our tickets go on sale. Remember the the sooner that you purchase your ticket, the sooner you get on the ice. So, you know, the, the first anglers there will be in that first group and second group. Um, Those first anglers are going to get their Ford buckets uh, and so forth. So tickets go on sale Tuesday. Make a note. You can go to tightlineoutdoors.com. You can go to our Facebook page. uh, You can go to Fishing Chaos, which is the app we're using. You can go to any of those sources, get some information about it. uh, But we're excited about it. So Tuesday, 8 a.m., our tickets go on sale. Make sure you grab them uh, and be one of the first ones on the ice at Ice
1: Diction this year. All right, my friend, we have to go. We're out of time, but we will talk to you next week. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Nate Zielinski, always great information. Speaking of great information, Austin Parr is going to come up next, and we're going to talk some fishing, and we might even talk a little shotgunning with him on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phone, and joining us is Austin Parr. Good morning, Austin. Good morning, Terry. Thanks for having me. Hey, before we get into this, uh, a belated happy birthday. I think it was just a day or two ago, right? I certainly appreciate it. Yep, just a couple days ago. And you're 16 now. Is that about right? No, <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> no, you're you're still a lot younger than me, my friend. But you've accomplished <laughs> a lot in your in your time in your time in the fishing world. You've accomplished a lot. I don't know if you got to hear any of what Nate was saying. <clears throat> He did mention that the Metro Lakes are finally finally looking like they're fishing their
3: true fall bite. Is that what you're seeing? Definitely. I've got some friends out actually on Cherry Creek at the moment, and we're on a surface temp down to 42 degrees. So it's uh, definitely going more toward that. Typical fall time pattern out there on both Chatfield and Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek is more typical than Chatfield still is at the moment with the abundance of bait fish. However, they are starting to die off. Um, some of your standard type of presentations with your jigging wraps and blade boots and spoon spoon have been done to do better out there. Um outside edges of structure has definitely been the best places to be where you have access to the main basin so the main tower hump along with the road bed that runs north south uh, to the east of the marina as well as there's a big point on the southern side that sticks all the way out um, all of those spots on that deep edge have been pretty worthwhile and this time of year i really like to work a trolling style technique where I'll get my trolling motor going about a half to 0.7 miles an hour, depending upon if I'm working a blade or a jigging wrap. Uh, jigging wraps will go just a bit faster, but I'll work a sideways to a three quarter snap where I'm aggressively popping that rod and letting it fall back down snapping it up and letting it fall back down. And then the same thing goes for blade baits. However, everything is much softer and the boat is typically going slower more at that 0.5 mile per hour uh, range. And that's been pretty productive.
1: You know, and this is a time of the year when we talk about electronics a lot, but when, when fish are shallow, sometimes it's hard to bring them into play, but your electronics can really tell the story for you this time of the year, can't they?
3: Absolutely, and uh, places like Cherry Creek, they're really following those big bait schools going around, but at Chatfield, with the lack of bait, in my opinion, ele- and the electronics may be even more important. Uh, you sometimes can just stumble on fish moving through a structure point, at Creek, but right now the, the, the best fishing is finding the pods of highly oriented fish and then fishing back to them. So the combination of the sonar and GPS along with contour mapping is, is pretty imperative. So it's uh, certainly something to master. And I always tell my clients that, in my opinion, having a good knowledge of how to work the sonar is as important almost as what you're tying on the end of your rod. Yeah, so you now if you could go back
1: to when I was your age. We, we had to build a boat out of some wooden logs, and then we'd take a piece of lead and use that to find the depth. Just Exactly. <laughs> a
3: little bit of triangulation so, on some shoreline contour.
1: Yeah. Hey, how long will Cherry Creek and Chatfield be open to boating, you think?
3: So it's still sounding like it's going to be to the end of this month. So staffing has been an issue all year long. And there's been rumors of Cherry Creek closing early, but it does not seem like that is uh, going to happen. So we've got a few more weeks yet uh, some really good fishing to be had, of good, you know, low-pressure fishing. There's very few boats out right now, no recreational boats, and uh, it's really a, a nice time to get out when you get these nice, uh, warmer afternoons after the cold, cold nights.
1: And I want to move on to some other opportunities, but if you want to do this kind of fishing we're talking about, even into December, Pueblo can provide some pretty good opportunity.
3: Boating's open, three hundred and sixty-five year days a day year of uh, the year out there, and uh, you, as you mentioned, it's the same type of thought process: deep water jigging and using your electronics to locate the fish.
1: In fact, uh, on my YouTube channel, there's a few uh, a few episodes about that. If people want to take a look at the best of fishing with Terry Wickstrom, um, let's talk about a few other things. Uh, I want to get to the rivers and tailwaters, but before we even get to that, Parks and Wildlife has been actively stocking a lot of trout. And even before we get to ice fishing, as long as there's open water uh, around the front range, shore fishermen are going to have great access to those trout and can have phenomenal success.
3: Couldn't agree more. Uh, Over the past couple of weeks, Parks Wildlife has stocked just shy of 7,000 trout into Chatfield with several fish upwards of 28 inches. They did a lot of brood stock stocking down there. So it's not just baby stalkers, but you're seeing stock fish at St. Brain state park at Aurora, even at Cherry Creek. So there's great opportunities, as you mentioned on a variety of methods. A lot of times you can go out with just a bait line on the bottom and have great success, but also working that in conjunction with a moving presentation, like a spoon cast masters and Tasmanian devils are my favorite or small jerk baits, like an HD trout or a, a hit stick all can work really quite well and then as the low light comes on these same bodies of water there's been a good walleye bite up in the shallows so you can work these bigger jerk baits along the rocks and have good shore fishing opportunities for the next several weeks until we get ice as well and what about the
1: rivers we should still have well you can fish i fly fly fish january december february right through um are you hearing anything in the tail waters or some opportunities people may want to take advantage of
3: Definitely. And as you mentioned, the tailwater is certainly going to be the, the thing to be thinking about coming up here. With these really cold temperatures up in the mountains, we're seeing uh, a lot of the lakes start to cap up there. And there's been some pretty significant ice buildup in some of the rivers to start with here. So especially over the next couple of weeks, that will not be as good. But your classic tailwater opportunities of Deckers and Cheeseman Canyon close to home have been producing. However, they are a bit more crowded at times. I really like Waterton Canyon this time of year, especially if you're willing to get up past the three-mile mark, up past Marston Diversion. Uh, that's great fly fishing and conventional fishing opportunities. Small betas and midges and egg flies and worms on the fly rod side of things with small spinners and jerk baits if I'm throwing my spinning rod. But Waterton is fantastic. And then up in north neck of the woods, The big Thompson tailwater remains fishable throughout the entire year, and sometimes the winter can be the best fishing up there. You lose a lot of the tourists. Pressure overall is a lot lower, and you can still get into some very comfortable, reasonable days up there in the afternoon where you don't have much ice buildup, and the fish can be very productive on some of those same small presentations like we just mentioned.
1: I have had some of my best days on the Big Thompson. In well, One of them was in February. It had been 20 below the weekend before, and it warmed up to in the high 30s, low 40s. And the fish were so bunched up. The only reason I moved, because I wanted to, because they were so bunched up, they couldn't even tell when I was catching one. And it was one of the most phenomenal fishing days I've ever had. So it was fantastic. Real quick, before I let you go, I know you're into the shotgunning sports. Uh, we've got both, you know, upland game and waterfall going on. Any any info you can share with people?
3: Yeah, so the the overall upland scene, as many have heard, is going to be a bit challenging this year. Uh, drought conditions across all of our core pheasant range and into Nebraska and Kansas has definitely knocked bird populations down quite a bit. So it's going to require... A lot of walking as, as usual, but trying to find places that had good irrigated crops I think is going to be the key for that. But the waterfowl action, I think we're going to have some pretty good stuff coming up here. With this cold weather, been pushing down a pile of geese lately, and there's also been a lot of nice ducks that are moving in right now. So I think this is a good time to potentially get out. Um, and over the next little bit, as some of the small ponds freeze up, uh, the river uh, hunting opportunities is really going to turn on. Uh, for the Ducks and the Geese. Uh, and then I think after the split, it
1: should be really good. You know, and even though the upland game is going to take some work, it's still worth getting out. You know, don't judge your trip just by what you harvest. I mean, we all do some of that. I'm as guilty as anyone. But, you know, getting out, taking uh, a sibling or a, a friend or a relative or a, a child out and to these walk-in access areas and even if you flush one or two birds and get a chance for a shot, you create memories. And it's still a good time to be outdoors, Austin.
3: Totally agree. Yeah, and it uh, really hones your skills. When you get a bird in hand with these type of a conditions, it truly is a trophy out there. So it's something that uh, sometimes just makes it worth all worth it. I know something that's big to you, too. This time of the
4: year,
1: when hunting may be a little slower, you're in between, uh, stop and pick up some trash in areas we're in. Uh, you know, sometimes these walk-in access areas are actually private land that we get access to, and if we can keep those cleaned up, we'll continue to get those uh, that access. It's a big deal.
3: Could not agree more. That is the number one thing I hear from landowners and folks that I know that are in the, in the know with parks and wildlife. That is the fastest way for us to lose access is leaving things like shells, bird carcasses, feathers, and just straight-up trash all of the above needs to be picked up, and, you know, I shoot a semi-automatic, and my gun will eject shells real far, so it's always my goal to pick up way more shells than my gun may be leaving. All right. We got to go. People want to find you. How do they do that? Uh, I'm a discount fishing tackle or six blocks south of Evans on the west side of Santa Fe. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.
1: You bet, Austin Park. We're going to take a timeout. and we come back, we're going to talk about maybe... Something you can do so that when you get that opportunity for that Upland game or that duck or goose, you make the shot so that you're not out there without harvesting some game. All that and more coming up on Terry Wixam Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I wake up in the morning so sad and so alone. I wonder where you are, why then you are gone. miles and happy times, but now you're just a teardrop in listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, the 104.3 The Fan. A Teardrop in My Eyes is a <clears throat> current release from Wickstrom and Dobrit that you can find on any of your streaming services. And it, I believe it's J.R. Pierce from Colorado Clay's favorite song. Is that right, J.R.? I think you wrote that
4: about me, Terry. Yeah, you 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 do create a teardrop in my eye sometimes. <laughs> I will admit, yep. And my by- own. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, um, when we were finishing up talking with Austin, we talked a little bit of Upland Game, and we were talking about it's there's some good waterfall right now. But Upland Game, you may have to work a little bit. But either way, whether you're out shotgunning for pheasants or geese or ducks, it's, in today's world, you need to make that shot count now. At Colorado Clays, you can do that, and we're going to talk about that, but before we do, I think something that people don't know about Colorado Clays is how much family
4: activity you have out there. Well, and you're right, Terry, and I will say, you know, on top of all the things that we offer every day here at Colorado Clays to everyone – there are a lot of things that people do at Colorado Place every year and even just once a year. So, for example, you know, everybody knows we do the big fundraisers. We raise money for a variety of great causes, and those folks like to secure those dates um, once a year and really make the best of those. Uh, we do lots of corporate events for companies, uh, sometimes once a year, sometimes uh, many times, but these can be large or small. I'm talking 10 people or 200. And they do stuff for their customers, um, for their associates, for their employees. So those are those are things we see happening. Of course, you know, the bachelor, bachelorette-type parties. Of course, we all hope those are a one-time thing. Um, love, <laughs> love hosting them. You know, gender reveals, wedding parties, all those types of stuff, Terry. Um, Colorado Clay is the perfect place to have those kinds of parties. Our leagues, Trap or Sporting Clay's leagues, we do those spring and summer Uh, Those are the, you know, those times of year. But uh, on top of that, you know, much, much more. The one real fun tradition that many people take advantage of since Colorado Clays is open to the public and we're open year-round is that during the holiday season, uh, when friends and family come to town, they, uh, is to take some time to visit Colorado Clays and enjoy all we have to offer here. So... Get the family, get the friends, come out, do some shotgun shooting. It doesn't matter which game. we got trap, skeet, sporting clays, wobble trap. Um, oftentimes we uh, have them, you know, come out and shoot their rifles or their pistols while they're in town. Even often we'll get a beginning shooter and they'll come out and shoot at that training trap and give them a first-time experience for the holidays. And, you know, the best thing is, Terry, you can do this all as just a for-fun event with the whole family, or you can make a little competition out of it. So something real popular this time of year going into the holiday season is lopping out a little bit of time while everybody's in town and coming to Colorado Clays and just experiencing everything we have.
1: You couldn't be more right, and we'll tell people how to find you in just a minute, but I want to kind of get back to where we started the segment, too, and that's with uh, making the shot. Now, let's start with, water, with waterfall. I want to get to upland game after this because it could be difficult this year, but waterfall, it looks like there's going to be abundance. There's going to be some good hunting. This cold weather is moving the birds, But, boy, I think one of the places where people really fall down a waterfall is not
4: patterning their gun before they go. Yeah, Terry, and I think, you know, we've talked about this, and uh, I've actually had quite a few of them out. Now, just to touch base on where we're going with this, as we've always said, no matter what type of shotgun shooting you have in mind it doesn't matter if it's clay target shooting you know any of the games trap skeet sporting whatever um you know hunting uh, could be turkeys could be doves could be that upland quail pheasant type stuff waterfowl your ducks and geese you're right terry the very first stop should be at the Colorado Clay Shotgun Patterning Area for several reasons First, of course, is to confirm that your, your point of aim, point of impact are where you want them for the type of shooting you're doing. And what I mean by that is where your is landing based on where you look, point, or aim the gun. And this can be different for different types of shooting. So for example, the turkey hunters, they're going to use that sight and they're actually going to aim that gun. They generally want that pattern tight and right over the target. Sometimes your trap shooters shooting an edge target prefer a gun that patterns high of the target so they can keep the target on top of their barrel. So there's a lot of things you can do to adjust for the type of shooting you're doing. Uh, Next, of course, you can confirm your pattern diameter, your pellet density, and your pellet distribution at a given distance so you know you have an adequate number of pellets on target to be effective. And like you said, Terry, we've had a bunch of water out here testing different loads and chokes lately. And it's really amazing how much information you can gather from a short session on our pattern board. And it is awesome just to watch these people and just see what they learn that they did not expect. So definitely something we have to do.
1: Well, you know, one thing the patterning board has taught us, and you and I talk about it all the time, especially in Turkey and Goose and where you're shooting a pretty substantial load. And that is that a change of ammunition, a change of choke on any gun, and immediately you don't really know where you're patterning anymore.
4: Yeah, and we see it all the time, Terry. Different chokes, uh, whether it's the choke constriction or whether it is the manufacture uh, of the choke can change dramatically how they perform with a load. The load itself, um, certain loads may perform with a certain choke. When you start changing muzzle velocities, um, shot type from lead to steel, uh, et cetera, you're going to end up with different results. And oftentimes, people just take for granted that, well, oh, I'm just going to throw in a, a faster load or a bigger pellet or a different uh, composition and assume it's going to perform the same, and it doesn't. We see it out here with the clay targets. Often guys, they're just not breaking targets as hard as they should be. Well, they, uh, are, their pattern is not correct for the type of shooting they're doing and their pellets on target are not what they should be. And it's really important, of course, as we all know, to make sure you have adequate pellets on your target to, um, achieve your goal. And another thing, Terry, on that pattern, you go out to 50 yards, it gives you a sense of how far that is, but it's good to know how many pellets are going to be on your target at a given range, depending on your shot size and your choke selection. So tons of information to grab with just a short session on the pattern board.
1: And then we get to the upland game. First of all, people get out and enjoy the upland game. I know it's going to be a tougher year in Colorado, but we've got walk-in access. This might be a good time to talk to some private farm ownership that is providing a little better habitat. But there will be some birds to be had. You may have to work. Well, this is a time when you're only maybe going to get a handful of shots in an outing. You want to make them count. What can I do to be more effective with upland game?
4: Well, uh, 100% come to the Colorado clays wobble traps. Uh, those traps will simulate bird flushes better than any practice you can do. It's a ground-level launch, so it simulates a flush. Our machines oscillate left to right and up and down, so you could get just about any presentation you could imagine happening in the field, from one skimming the weeds to one flushing straight up in front of you. And being that it is overlaid on our skeet fields, There's a huge area behind the traps. You can get a multitude of different angles and distances to practice. And, you know, Terry, like I said, when the things are a little thin, any amount of repetitions you can get mounting your gun and confirming your stance, your sight picture, and the fact that, you know, you're comfortable with the leads um, at, a, at a given distance. Uh, you find your weaknesses and work on them. It may end up being the difference between getting a limit of birds and not. So I encourage all upland people to come give that a try.
1: Yeah, not having any weaknesses, it makes it difficult for me to work on just one shot, but I can understand that for most people. Right, Terry. I just, <laughs> you know, I get the, I get this laughing skepticism from you.
4: <laughs> no, I, what I've noticed is you didn't see you had any strength either, so I was just rolling with <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> if people want to get a hold of you, where do they find you?
4: Terry, please give us a call, 303 659 Seven one one seven, or go to our website, ColoradoClays uh, Take a look at what we offer. Take the virtual tour, see our facility. But by all means, Terry, get a hold of us and come have some fun.
1: And last comment, and as a recent convert uh, enjoying ice fishing, are you looking forward to this
4: freeze ups on these lakes? I actually am, Terry. You know, I know the warm water fish are going to be starting to get a little bit and and tougher to do out of the boat. I know that last year, after I was able to go ice fishing with you, I I, I was sold. Um, I was the guy who used to go out um, and just drill a hole and stand there and uh, had no clue. After watching uh, your electronics and how you use them and tactics, I'm definitely sold, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, we'll make sure we get out there together, my friend, so
1: keep in touch. Yeah, I'm excited for it. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Jr. Okay, thank you, Terry. Uh, J.R. Uh, Pierce from Colorado Clays. Great people out there. They're going to give you a great experience. Hey, we're going to take a quick time out. we come back, we'll wrap this up, and maybe we'll get a little preview from Dan Jacobs of what's going on on Sunday. All that and more coming up on Terry Wicksham Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I'm sad and lonely. Life has got me down. She put your hand in mine, she picks me back above the ground. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, a 104.3 fan. That was Heated Moments by Wickstrom and Dobris. I'll tell you a little secret. You want a good playlist for your your streaming music? Just go to um, Spotify. And search Wickstrom and Dobreth, and Wickstrom and Doberth Radio will come up. And that song will be one of them, but it won't just be us. It'll be people like Gordon Lightfoot and The Boss and a whole playlist, and it changes every time you log on, but we'll be featured within it. So Wickstrom and Dobreth Radio on Spotify, give it a try. Speaking of radio, though, we had a pretty darn good radio show right here today. Talked about a lot. You know, this cold weather could result in some early ice, especially on higher, small lakes. Some people are hiking up and ice fishing already, but I think we're going to see more accessible opportunities probably fairly early with this cold weather. Um, I'll get Karen to post on our Facebook page the ice thickness guide. Now, this is just a guide, but it's something we want you to be extremely safe, especially on early ice. Early ice can be some of the best fishing of the year, ice fishing. But it also you need to understand ice safety. Ice we always say there's no such thing as safe ice, but ice fishing is incredibly safe if you use common sense. And we'll post some things to do that. In addition, we'll post uh, we'll post some up to date reports. We'll try to get them out there during the next couple of weeks as soon as we hear about some opportunities that seem fishable. Uh, and we'll try to keep you updated on that. Another thing, we're going to post a bunch of podcasts out of this show. One of them is on the wolf introduction. We had CPW come on and really explain what's going on with the wolves, and there was a lot of great information in that, and there's going to be a lot of room for public input coming up at meetings very soon. So we'll make sure we get that up on our Facebook page, Best of Fish on, uh, sorry, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is our Facebook. Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom is our YouTube. But we'll get that up there. We'll get we're doing the middle of our ice series. We have people like Bro Brosdahl was on today. We'll post that on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Tons of great information. We're going to have Steve Benaz from Lake Commandos on. We're going to have Matt Johnson from Clam on. We're going to hopefully have Dave Gantz, a good friend of ours, who was the grandfather of modern-day ice fishing, and just always great to have on. And plus our local experts like Nate and Austin and, Brad Peterson, and a lot of those guys are going to come on, they're going to talk ice fishing. So we're going to really get you involved, plus getting reports from around the state. All that and more coming up over the next few weeks. So make sure you tune in and follow us on Facebook so you know what's coming up on, uh, Terry, on Terry Wicks from Outdoors on the fan. Now, is Dan Jacobs in the studio?
0: Yeah, let me just uh, turn off my uh, iPod here. I was listening to Wickstrom and Dobreth. so let me turn, turn that down. Okay,
1: yeah, I'm here. All right. All right. Good for you. I'm glad you were listening. By the way, speaking of Wickstrom and Dobre, um we have a new single coming out. And tonight, we're going over the pictures from the photo shoot with pizza and wine to oh. pick out the ones for the cover. And I look so much better after a couple <laughs> bottles of wine. I'm sure you believe that. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> wine goggles. I didn't know there was such a thing as wine goggles. I've heard
1: of beer goggles. <laughs> I think it's the, probably the same effect.
3: Oh, hey, Bruce, uh, hey, by the out. way,
0: I will have to go to 104 or denverfan.com, and I, I, as you know, Terry, you and I text back and forth on this stuff. I am keenly interested in what's happening with the Wolf stuff, so I missed that segment. That will be one of the segments that I'll have to go to denverfan.com and listen to.
1: Yeah, it was very enlightening and shared a lot of information. And the first thing he told me during the week, he goes, I've been authorized to talk about it. So you know there's been some back and forth internally about that. Um, But what I want to ask you before we run out of time, I've decided in my mind that this game that's coming up Sunday is either going to tell me that the Broncos have any chance of being competitive the rest of the year, or it's going to just finally totally reveal all the weaknesses in both coaching and players and take away the hope. Where are you sitting with that?
0: Well, they've been competitive almost every game all year long, right? So I don't know what you, you know, when you say competitive, well, they'll be competitive. Are they going to be good? No. This team, this season is over for all intents and purposes as them being a truly contending team. So will they be competitive? I think they'll continue to be
1: competitive. Will they be contending? I don't think so. Well, I don't think they'll be contending, but I'm not sure they remain competitive because if they lose this game, and the injuries they have and the people that are out, I think the will of that defense, which has kept them in. Now, Wilson could play better. The offense could score a lot more points. But the will of that defense, and you know as well as I do, that defense can be so much on effort, could be broken if they don't have a, a good game, this, uh, a winning game this week.
0: Well, that's a good point. And also, what I've been waiting to see with that defense is... How do they hold up now that they get to the tougher part of the schedule and they're actually facing good teams? They haven't faced a whole lot of good teams this year. Defense has looked great. Can't take that away from them. But once they get the Chiefs a couple times, once they get the Chargers again, once they get some of these better offenses, this one will be – it won't be a high-scoring game, I don't think, but it will be a tough matchup for that defense to stop Derrick Henry and that grinding, grading you know—that Tennessee offense. So we'll have to see.
1: All right. My friend, I will close this out so we can get to sports with you. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Terry. All right. We're going to wrap up Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Remember, we're doing our ice series the next few weeks. Tune in. Follow us on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Follow Wickstrom and Dobrith on streaming or social media. We'll let the Eagles take us to Dan Jacobs in Sports on 104.3 The Fan.